Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man, Lucas Kaser, and you're tuned in to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids. Leave a rate and review anywhere you listen to your podcast, and follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod and Twitter at TCK underscore pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. All right, family. Happy Wednesday, episode 202. Coming up for you, we are going to be discussing our first official round of quarterback rankings Yesterday, you heard us break down the fantasy schedules for quarterbacks. Tomorrow, we're going to have a mock draft. It's a super flex mock. So we're going to talk to you about, you know, building up your quarterbacks early in drafts for a super flex league. And uh, again, today, we're going to be breaking down our first official round of quarterback rankings. Lucas, this is uh, something we haven't gotten into yet this year as far as rankings. What do rankings in general tell you Um do you, do you follow them as you draft? Do you just kind of work on them in the offseason and then toss them away? Do you work on other people's rankings? Do you strictly go on your own? What do rankings actually tell you? Yeah, so rankings are separate from projections, which will go back and forth throughout the summer, and you'll see both um, on the draft guide on the website, all that stuff. So projections are sort of a mathematical approach to projecting the exact stat lines of the players, of the teams, of the defensive, whatever you want to make projections for. Rankings are sort of a, to me, if it comes down to it, on an even playing field, you would draft this player over that player, that player over that player, which is kind of flawed to me because I don't follow my rankings whatsoever. Um, I mean, like I do, but like I don't like sit there and cross off my rankings when it comes draft day. So it's more of just a gauge of, maybe how you value those players and maybe how other people should value them. Um, but in the end, I think it's just more of a why this guy over this guy, why this guy over this guy, if anything. Um, but I guess the big takeaway would be to not harp on your rankings too much come draft day or come really just doing your research in general, because there will be tiers. Um, we probably won't talk about those that much on here, but on our website, you can see our tiers for every, every position uh, we have up on there. So you can kind of see the groupings, if you will, of how we think players will finish. Absolutely. I totally agree. And to uh, double up on the tiers, that's kind of how I draft more so than just linear rankings, right? So uh, we, we're going to talk about a couple of tiers here early on, at least because, you know, they kind of matter. But, you know, if we just take a tier, let's just bring one up early. Let's take, uh, you know, Dak, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, maybe Deshaun Watson, that maybe second tier-ish if that's the case and you come up and you have three of those guys available to you on a draft board, that's when I would be looking at it versus maybe who do I have first, second or third. It depends and obviously matches up with your team. So I tier draft for the most part more than linear. And then within each tier, then you have your linear rankings so you can start breaking it down. I think that helps more so later in drafts um, for me personally, like way early and then, and then much later too. the middle rounds are kind of ambiguous depending on the draft goes, but all right, man, let's jump into this. We have, uh, you and I both have 30 quarterbacks ranked. This is redraft uh, conversation for right now. Um, we are not going to talk about every single ranking that we have. Again, you just mentioned our rankings are up at tckpod.com. You can go check those out. 
um, for dynasty and redraft purposes for rookie as well and everybody else. Um, but we are going to go through a handful of these guys that you and I differ on and a couple of them that we're the same on and, and, and why we feel that way. So let's start at the top. Number one overall, it's either Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes pretty much in every single draft. I can't imagine a scenario where there's not Lamar Jackson and or Patrick Mahomes at the number one spot for quarterbacks right now. Both of them have been historically um, incredible over the last two seasons. Last year, 2018, Mahomes uh, was drafted in the later rounds, came back, won people championships. Um, and last year, of course, Lamar Jackson did the same thing. So who do you have at number one overall uh, for your quarterback, um, Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Well, I have Lamar Jackson, and on, on top of that, I have actually have Lamar, Mahomes, and Dak all in my Tier 1, and we'll talk about why Dak, to me, is in Tier 1. But Lamar Jackson, um, you have him there as well. Um, it was Mahomes. It was Mahomes from d a day after the Super Bowl <laughs> up until about a week before we recorded, um, and it was solely based on Lamar Jackson's TD regression is going to happen. It's going to happen um, because, one, we see this every single year with – X quarterback. So his TD percentage, which is your touchdowns divided by your total pass attempts, was 9% last year, which is, if you remember two years ago when Mahomes had his, um, or I guess one year, one full season ago, Mahomes had his record breaking season, and he was at, I think, 8.9. So kind of similar in that um, stance. So normally when you see a quarterback with about, I think it's 7.5% or higher, the following year it drops down 2%. So I actually went in and did the math of if that were to happen for Lamar. So if you take just his TD percentage points away. So the average of the top 40 fantasy quarterbacks last, last year was 4.5%. So all I did was I changed uh, Lamar's touchdown percentage from 9 to 4.5. That took away 72 less points in a four-point um, passing touchdown league. He would still have 18 more points than Deshaun Watson and finish as the QB1. So we, I'm still buying into the TD regression just because it's going to happen. But his rushing upside, I think, is the one year we, we will see that wash away. We won't see this um, Mahomes going from one to four, one to five. Obviously, he got hurt, but in points per game, he was like six. So we still saw the regression in general. And on top of that, their schedule is a cakewalk. They had the third easiest um, schedule against explosive, explosive rushing defense the whole season. Uh, we know how their rushing attack is. The ninth easiest in rushing defensive efficiency. Um, we also know how good their rushing attack is. In the first five weeks, they have the easiest run defense efficiency um, schedule they have to play. So I think they're going to come out hot. I think he might run for what he did last year and more. And then we're going to see even more red zone attempts now, I think. So it's, it's only looking up for him. Um, this is nothing against Mahomes. I still think Mahomes is... My 102 in Superflex, probably a third-round grade in redraft leagues. But I think Lamar is just – that rushing ability is so far unmatched that Mahomes can't top it. I agree with you, man. I've got Lamar Jackson number one as well. And, again, I, I kind of was flipping a coin with Mahomes and, and Lamar Jackson back and forth. But, honestly, I settled on Lamar Jackson. And just to uh, – you know, a disclaimer or just to be transparent, and I, I hope that listeners by now know that you know, you and I are not full of shit. Um, 
this is the first time that I'm seeing your rankings, like official rankings. And the first time really you're seeing mine too. Now, of course we put them on the website, but they like fluctuate and we finally fine tune them for this episode and purposely kind of didn't talk through them uh, more than just picking a couple of guys because we wanted to have the fresh takes. And I was surprised, man, that both of us went Lamar Jackson, to be honest with you, because I think the consensus community has, uh, has Patrick Mahomes because of this idea of regression for Lamar Jackson, which I do agree will happen at some at some instance, but but I'm I'm with you that I think he's going to rush for even more. So my my take with Lamar Jackson, I I agree completely. My take for Lamar Jackson, he had 33 more points in 2019 at 450 than Mahomes did in 2018 at 417. He also had two more points per game at 28.11 to Mahomes' 26.07. He scored five rushing touchdowns last year. Josh Allen scored nine. Lamar Jackson scored five rushing touchdowns last year, but he led the NFL with 36 touchdowns. Mahomes would have had 30 over 16 games. Of course, he missed the two games, but Mahomes would have paced to just over 29, so about 30 touchdowns. Lamar Jackson had 36. So even if the regression comes, Lamar Jack and I was preaching this all last year <laughs> that that Lamar Jackson, I believed that he could throw the ball, this whole running back shit. You know, like he's a great running quarterback, but he could throw the ball. And I was trying to preach that all off season last year. And then the first season he comes out, or first game of the season, he comes out of the gate versus Miami, who turns out to be fucking absolutely a dumpster fire. Nonetheless, he scores five touchdowns passing in the first game of the season, basically to prove a point of like, look, mm-hmm. I am a great running quarterback, but I'm also an NFL level, you know, Heisman Trophy winning throwing quarterback as well. So I'm all about Lamar Jackson. It's no longer a secret. You're going to have to draft both of these guys. I mean, third round, at least if you're in any sort of, you know, super flex or, or uh, uh, quarterback um, bonus league or anything like that with, with passing or rushing. I mean, there may even second rounders, but uh, they're no longer a secret, but I think both these guys are worth the price of admission. And look, Neither one of us hate Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's an easy number two, and he's right behind Lamar Jackson. But if push comes to shove, you and I both will mm-hmm. go Lamar Jackson yeah. first overall. So when on top of the adding on of the rushing ability, so the, the excuse maybe as to why they don't think the rushing ability is sustainable, it's because they've never seen this before with their running back, a quarterback. His legs are going to get tired. He's going to start taking more hits. He only had three broken tackles last year from pro football reference. And he only had three broken tackles because he led the league in yards before contact per attempt. So how many rushing yards he had before he got touched or tackled per attempt at 4.9. That was 1.4 more than Raheem Mostert in second place. Mm. And that's that line. So, mm. okay. Say he regresses, say that regresses to Raheem Mostert. He's still going to run for 1200 yards and he can break tackles. So it's going to even out eventually. And on top of the touchdown regression, he was 26 in passing attempts. So, Yes, it's going to go down because they're not going to throw the ball much more. Maybe he'll go to like 20th. But in the long haul, this team didn't really add any weapons to seem like they're going to throw the ball more. They got Duvernay. They got James Prochet. They got rid of Hayden Hurst. So they're just going to kind of stay with what they have. So I think it's we're going to see a lot of similarities last year. Um, hopefully another five-touchdown game at the beginning of the year. I remember I texted you that it's Lamar Jackson time and he hasn't even ran the ball yet. Like I started him in one of my leagues because – I was like, you know, he can run the ball. He might work out. And then next thing you know, he's the QB one. So, yeah, I'm hoping for another big year. Uh, the only scary thing is I think when Superflex, uh, he's my one-on-one. I would take him there all day. I think he might go second round in one QB redraft leagues. And I don't know 
if that's a bad pick or not. Like I'm like I'm starting to think that it might not be. Um, I get that's kind of early, but you're getting 24 points a game at the quarterback position, which I think is unmatched to anything else. I agree with you, and then, and then again, you know, you're looking for the safest floor, which he provides with his feet and his ability to throw the ball, but also his upside. And obviously, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes threw for 50 touchdowns, right? So we know we know what his ceiling is, and that that offense in Kansas City. I mean, if if Mahomes were to outpace Lamar Jackson, neither one of us would be surprised at all. But when it comes down to like which quarterback do I want to count on if I'm drafting somebody like that in the third round, for me personally, it's going to be Lamar Jackson, and uh, I'm just. I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. We, we agree across the board. All right, so starting off with some fireballs here on this episode right off the bat. So if you disagree with us with Lamar Jackson at number one, please leave a comment. It's probably Patrick Mahomes, but if it's not, leave a comment below and let us know who you think at that number one spot overall for quarterbacks. All right, man, so at number two, we have a consensus number of uh, Patrick Mahomes. And actually, again, we did not share rankings um, uh, full committed rankings until this podcast started, but I'm looking here, man. And we have the top six actually are identical. So in order, both of us have Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, ahead of Kyler Murray at five, and then just Sean Watson, the back of that kind of that second tier there. So not much to talk about here. Um, you know, obviously all those guys are kind of in its own tier two and a half or so. Um, we have our rankings, obviously, with Dak Prescott, Wilson, Murray, and Watson there. My only concern, I guess my biggest concern there is Deshaun Watson. Is there anybody in that mix that you can see not returning the value as a top-five quarterback? Yeah, I think there's, there's not plenty. I think there's two. Kyler and I think Deshaun Watson easily mm-hmm. could. We saw Kyler's ability on the ground last year, but I think that was because the team was so inefficient. Obviously, he can run the ball, but I think in the long run, it's because the O-line was bad. They were inexperienced. They didn't really have any receiving weapons due to injuries. Now they're going to have those receiving weapons. They are their O-line. They are cool with rolling with, so that means they're mm-hmm. definitely good. Like if They're not going to roll with a bad offensive line. So I think that he – we're banking on his rushing ability from what we saw last year, baked into that top ADP. Because I think Josh Allen – not saying he's a better fantasy guy to draft, but I think Josh Allen's rushing ability is set in stone. So I could easily see Josh Allen replacing Kyler, but I think Kyler has the most upside. That's why I ranked him there. Because like I said, this is where we're ranking based on how we think they're going to finish. So I think he could easily – and not that he's going to fall out a lot because last year he was the QB7. So like he might finish just 7 or 8, which isn't a bad where you draft him. Uh, and then Watson, yeah. Uh, we, we touched on his schedule yesterday. Um, it, it's bad. or It's just not a good schedule at all for him, plus losing D-Hop. But I think in the games where he has good matchups – I think he'll make up for him. That's that's why I ultimately had him at six. Um, baked into Josh Allen's very inaccurate, and he had a lot of red zone attempts. Now they have Zach Moss. So there's kind of – everything's kind of evening out to where I think these guys will probably finish. Uh, but Russ is – as much as I don't like having Russ on my fantasy team in one QB leagues, he's a virtual lock for top five, it seems like, every single year. And then Dak, um, I, I have him in tier one, but I think it's uh, – He's like the top of tier I – mean, I wouldn't necessarily draft him along with Lamar and Mahomes, but I think he definitely has the ability to finish up there. I agree. I agree. And, if, you know, I'm not, I'm not against QB early. I've talked about it on the podcast a lot. We'll maybe talk – we're going to talk about draft strategies another time, so I'll save that take. But if I don't get Lamar or Mahomes somehow my draft, you know, lands that way, um, then I would, I would 
be happy to take Dak Prescott in like the fifth round. Uh, you're right. In home leagues, though, once the season starts and ADP settles, <laughs> it builds. Like I just don't – a lot of these guys are going to go in the top five rounds. That's just how it goes every single year. So we're probably going to miss out on a lot of those as, you know, you and I draft. But um, if I'm able to scoop one of those other guys, uh, Kyler Wilson um, or Dak Prescott specifically, I'd be excited about that. All right, let's jump into number seven here. I've got Drew Brees. I'm going to stick with the veteran, and you've got Josh Allen. After that, I've got Josh Allen at eight. You've got Matt Ryan at eight. I've got him at nine, and then you have Carson Wentz at nine. So I'm going to break down Drew Brees really quick and defend my mans, who you got at number 10. Then you have Carson Wentz at number nine. I've got him all the way down at 14, so I'll let you take that one. Let me get into Drew Brees at number seven. Once again, he led the NFL in completion percentage. And he finished QB 22, but that was with missing five games. He was the QB eight on fantasy points per game. He kept all of his weapons and added your boy E-Money Sanders from free agency from San Francisco. They add Adam Troutman as well, who I don't think is going to have a huge season per se in year one with Jared Cook still there, but he is still another huge athletic weapon. Um, I, Alvin Kamara is healthy this year, which I'm super excited to talk about in the running back week next week. Um, I just don't – I don't see a world where Drew Brees is not top 10. And, frankly, with another year of, like, Drew Brees has got to get over the hump, he's got to make it happen. Yeah. Um, he's hearing it loud and clear, louder than us for sure. And I just – I've been fading Drew Brees the last couple of years because I'm like, he just can't keep it up. He can't keep it up. He is keeping it up. Everybody comes back healthy. He's got the best receiver in the game, arguably, at least for fantasy football, arguably the best running back as well per touch. Um, and some complimentary weapons in a high-powered offense. So I'm going to take Drew Brees at number seven. Again, you've got him a little bit lower at 10. Um, obviously, a top-10 quarterback, we're, we're not going to disagree too much. But what are your – you know, why, why not hire on Drew Brees? Yeah, uh, Josh Allen's ahead of him at seven for me. That's just his rushing floor that I think – that I think Josh Allen, that team is going to see a little bit of regression in terms of – they weren't even efficient last year in passing offense, but I just think Josh Allen kind of got lucky on some things. His bad throw percentage was very, very bad. Um, it was fifth in the NFL for how good of a quarterback he seemed like he was due to his fantasy production. Um, so I think that's the reason why maybe he would be there. Matt Ryan, kind of a dumb analysis, but I think that to, to compete in that division this year, they're going to have to score points. His schedule is not looking the greatest in terms of like like ranking at the top of pass efficiency on defense and stuff like that. But I think that if the O-line's healthy, if this defense can stay somewhat healthy, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Todd Gurley, I think they just, they're just going to have to score points. Um, I was high on Matt Ryan last year due to the dome games that bit me right in the butt. Obviously got injured. The team kind of sucked. But I think that Ryan might just out-edge him a little bit. And Carson Wentz. I mean, I can just kind of go into why this is yet again um, we – we do not like Carson Wentz on our fantasy teams here, but it's kind of pointing up in terms of fantasy value for this year. So he's the seventh easy schedule, easiest schedule from weeks one through 16 in past the efficiency. They just added Jalen Rager, John Hightower, um, more receivers that I can't even name. Miles Sanders, year two. Alshon Jeffrey may be healthy. Deshaun Jackson back. Still have both tight ends. The defense got better. They added Darius Slay. I think that if the whole team can stay better or stay healthy, we saw what he could do two years ago or three years ago, whenever they won the Super Bowl, that he can produce at a fantasy level. He's always up there in terms of where he finishes. He was QB 10 last year for how bad that offense was. So I think he's just a safe, um, 
like back end QB one, but his ADP never reflects that. His ADP is always pretty high, just because what he did two or three years ago, whatever years in the MVP race. So um, I would say that we we usually deem players like sleeper bust, do not draft. He's a do not draft for me, just because I know that that offense can completely backfire because it is all speed based offense. If it doesn't hit, it doesn't like. We're, we're, if you see the Chiefs games when Tyree kills not in there, the offense sucks because the the speed element's not there. Alshon Jeffrey could maybe not come back. Deshaun Jackson's probably going to get hurt. We'll see. Um, so I guess if you're in a super flex and you can somehow get him as your QB2, like, sure, I'm all about that, but not my QB1. Yeah, I agree with you. And, again, I mean, you know, you just mentioned kind of a, a safe back-end RB or QB1. Like, I just – I totally disagree. I don't think he's safe at all. I mean, he's had multiple injuries. And I know that's, that this analysis is getting super fucking old. And trust me, I, I'm getting really tired of, like – Carson Wentz and then immediately being like, yeah, but he gets hurt and like, blah, blah, blah. Look, yeah. we've, we've been very clear here that like Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson, both, in my opinion, if they play 16 games and Will Fuller and Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey and their entire squads, Brandon Cooks now, uh, play 16 games. If everybody's healthy on both of those teams, Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz could both be top five fantasy quarterbacks. They both run the ball. They both have a great arm. They both have big weapons. I'm going to throw that out there. I'm worried about Deshaun Watson for similar reasons. I just don't know what that offense is going to be like. And I'm worried about Carson Wentz because, frankly, I'm not sure that his whole offense is going to stay together and, and on the field. And secondly, I just can't, I can't um, trust that he's going to stay on the field. And clearly the Eagles don't either by drafting Jalen Hurts, right? So I'm, I'm obviously worried about it as well. I've got him down at 14. And basically the rest of our, our top 15 kind of run out exactly the same. Um, you have Carson Wentz at nine. I've got him at 14. But otherwise, we have Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, and Baker Mayfield within those last couple picks as well. So our top 15 basically are similar with a difference of about three or four players as far as rankings go. So I'm with you, man. If, if it's super flex and Carson Wentz ends up as my second quarterback, I think that's awesome. I really do think that's a great opportunity because you're willing to take that risk and you can grab a couple, you know, flyer quarterbacks later in your draft. But single quarterback leagues for the ADP that he's got, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth round, there's no way. There's just no way that I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to be pulling that trigger uh, in fantasy at all. All right. Let's jump in really quick and just kind of tag team on Daniel Jones. Um, so, we had mentioned yesterday on the, on the fantasy uh, scheduling episode that, you know, we were worried about Daniel Jones because he has the toughest schedule for the first four games of the season on paper. And he's also got the toughest overall schedule uh, in, 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 in regards to fantasy. Um, however, he does have a nice playoff schedule. Now, of course, I know, Lucas, I'll, I'll take words out of your mouth. You always say that you have to make the playoffs first before you worry about that shit. But it is something to consider when you're drafting quarterbacks. Now, Daniel Jones, I like a lot as a player, and I like his opportunity this year. Um, but for you, like, how are you feeling about Daniel Jones after, you know, we kind of have a day to digest that, that scheduling conversation? I've got him at 15. You've got him at 17. So for both of us, he's a middle – Middle QB two. So again, we're not excited to have him as your QB one, but in super flex leagues, if he was QB two, I think we'd be excited about that. Are you taking into consideration that that pretty tough schedule there for fantasy? Yeah, now that I look at this more, I moved him down quite a bit uh, before we recorded, um, and I I think I'm actually going to swap Minshew and probably Jimmy G for him, who are right below him. Part of that is the way I play a little bit, like you just said, you have to make the playoffs to compete in the playoffs. The schedule is tough. 
But now that I kind of put into perspective a brand new coach, the O-line is good because they added one rookie. So I don't know if that's going to necessarily blend in right away. Receiving core is good, but it's not great. So I think I might actually be moving him down a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I can kind of get my reasoning why. So Gardner Minshew, we totally dropped the ball in the scheduling episode. Uh, I don't know how I missed this one. I was doing more research. I'm um, trying to fix my back end QBs. Um, and his schedule is nice. It is very, very nice. So obviously, Jay Gruden is now the coach. Um, his passing percentage, everyone likes to say he likes to pass the ball a lot. 57.7 in his career. That was like um, tw- uh, like 20th, I think, last year, if you would have just slid it in. So it's not really that high whatsoever, I guess, but maybe a couple of those those years in his average are really bad. But they are going to throw the ball. They added Chris Thompson. They added receiver in the draft. They have two tight ends. They got Tyler Eifert, Josh Oliver back from injury. They obviously wanted to get, a, get rid of Leonard Fournette, and they didn't draft a running back, so they're not really worried about who runs the ball. So they're probably just going to throw the ball quite a bit. Uh, Gardner Minshew had like 64 rushing attempts last year and like 32 of them were scrambles from pro football reference which is basically plays that were called pass plays so we had like 32 you could say design rushing attempts I guess I don't I don't know if they were designed or not but his schedule uh, fourth easiest in yards per pass attempt um, so if they're gonna be throwing the ball a lot that means fantasy points if it's the fourth easiest in yards allowed per attempt fourth easiest in pass pass the efficiency and the hardest matchup he has are two hardest chargers. So it's a little skewed because they are going to be a better defense. And the Colts is the other one. And the Colts ranked 23rd in the NFL last year in yards allowed, passing yards allowed per game. So his schedule is really nice. Um, I think that he, he has to play for this job for the future. He's a free agent after this year. They, if the team sucks, they could easily be in a position to draft a quarterback. So he's be playing for his security there for a long time. He's going as QB 29 right now in FFPC, which is just high stakes redraft leagues. QB 29. He's going behind guys like Tyrod, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't guys that you wouldn't even like want on your team in general. So you can get, I'm not saying, I'm not saying punt the punt the position and get Gardner Minshew as your QB one, but I'm saying that we saw what he could do last year, which was gross. Cause I don't think he's actually a good quarterback at all, but I, we saw what he could do last year. Go get, this could this could be where you could maybe punt the whole position and then get like a Matt Stafford, Gardner Minshew, and have two quarterbacks for the whole year, one maybe to trade. But I think that Minshew is going to not show up or show out a lot of people because I think a people a lot of people are high on him in dynasty versus redraft, which makes zero sense. It's inverse for me, but I think that he's in line for a really good production for a single season. Um, so I I think I'm going to move him ahead of Daniel Jones and Jimmy G. He was second in yak per attempt last year. So basically, no offense to Jimmy G, but he relies on his receivers to make yards for him. Then they just go add Brandon Ayuk, the best receiver in yak in the class. I think that ultimately we'll see more passing attempts for Jimmy G. I think that we're going to see the new kind of a boring offense, but it's going to be fun to watch. So I think I'm going to move Daniel Jones down. Um, this is one of those ones where I can buy into the schedule a little bit and move him down two spots here. As long as Jimmy's boring offense gets W's, I mean, that's really all. It will. That's the, it's, you'll watch the game. Obviously, you'll be excited to watch the games. But if you like actually like – it might be a set of like five plays that no one can stop. It's just a bunch of like motion and yak and just boring stuff, but it works. Bro, it's Madden, dude. Mm-hmm. You, you find that crease in the defense, you just hit fucking triangle all day. Yeah. And you just keep, you keep running the same play up the gut, man. Sure, You're racking sure. yards. I like that. All right, cool. So let's dig into, let's dig into Minshew really quick. All right. You've got him at 18. I've got him at 21. I'm hearing you loud and clear. And actually I'm, I'm about 
raising him. I'm just not sure who I'm going to put him over. Um, yeah, I guess we I could. could now, now, now talking this out with you, and this is great. I'm glad we're doing this because again, we've only been our, in our own heads. So I have Jimmy G higher than you do actually for 17. You have him at 19. Um, I've got Kirk Cousins at 18. You have him at 22. After having this discussion, thinking about this a little bit more, I could see Garner Minshew being higher than both of those guys. So I could get him up in, up in my, my top 20 for sure. So I might make that adjustment. Jared Goff is the next one and Drew Locke. I'm going to keep both of those guys ahead of Minshew just because of the weapons around them where I just don't think that Minshew has. I understand Minshew had a good year. He's got the running ability. They can throw the ball a lot under Jay Gruden. I just don't see the, the complementary weapons akin to the Broncos and the Rams right now. So I can make that move over Jimmy and Cousins potentially. Uh, My notes on Gardner Minshew are really, this is super interesting. Both of them obviously rookies last year, but Minshew had arguably a comparable season to Kyler Murray, which I know doesn't sound good coming out of, (laughs) coming out of my mouth. Yeah. Really, if you compare the stats, it's pretty incredible. So Minshew threw roughly 450 less pass yards, but he played two less games. So if you say that he threw 225 yards in those two games that he missed, he basically would have outpaced Kyler Murray, which I think he would have had. He also adds quite a bit on the ground as well. Gardner Minshew had 21 touchdowns to six interceptions compared to Kyler Murray's 20 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. So threw half as many interceptions, but one more touchdown than Kyler Murray. Um, obviously, you mentioned LaVisca Chenault comes in from Colorado, the wide receiver. I think that's a great addition. And, of course, you know, we don't know what's going on with Leonard Fournette. So I think that's a great call, man. And actually, after talking with you through this, I, I think I'm going to try to readjust my rankings to get him into my top 20 um, at least there. So I, I think that's a good call. And then I'm going to double back on his schedule really quick as well. We made a brief mention of it yesterday as we broke down the easiest four weeks first four weeks of the schedule. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, dial back one and we broke down the fantasy schedules for the quarterbacks. The easiest first four weeks in the NFL for fantasy, the Jaguars are number six against passing defenses. All right, they get Indianapolis, who you mentioned last year is fucking horrendous. They get them twice for sure. The first one's at home in Jacksonville. Then they're at Tennessee. I don't like that at all. That's definitely scary. But then they get Miami at home and then they're at the Bengals. So the first four weeks there with Garner Minshew, I think is great. And then that gives you a couple weeks to decide whether he's the real deal or not, right? So he's a great quarterback too. Um, and if you punt quarterback all the way to the end of your draft, he could be a nice, you know, quarterback up at the, uh, you know, to grab late in drafts to just kind of see what happens there. So again, I, I think you you got me a little extra stoked on Garner Minshew there, which I, I appreciate. So I think I'm going to maybe look to move him up over probably on first glance over Jimmy and Kirk Cousins. Let's jump into um, really, you know, again, our, our rankings are pretty similar after that. Um, we both have Big Ben up at 15 and 16. We're not going to jump into him yet just because we don't know um, – Per this recording, he recently just came out with kind of his video of him cutting his fucking hair and trimming his beard and, you know, getting back and Juju kind of like, he's back, right? Like, I'm excited about it if he's healthy. If he's healthy, yeah. I think Ben's going to be a top 15 guy and we're going to have to boost him up our rankings. But until that happens and until we see some real actual shit, um, I got to keep him out of that top 15. But I am looking to boost him potentially as well. Similar rankings the rest of the way. Jimmy G. Uh, Garner Minshew, Kirk Cousins, Drew Locke, and Jared Goff, and Derek Carr, pretty much in that same, you know, 16 to 22 range for both of us. Next, let's go into the rookie, man. Probably the only rookie that's going to have 
first dibs on an opportunity this season at least. And that's, of course, Joe Burrow with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Tua is going to have to wait his opportunity behind Fitz, and that's basically a, a health risk. And then obviously Jordan Love in, in, in the Packers, he's not going to get any love until Aaron Rodgers is gone. And then Jalen Hurts is basically going to be a – wildcat quarterback for a little bit until Carson Wentz gets hurt as well. So let's talk about Joe Burrow real quick, man. Um, I've got him at 23. You've got him at 24. Again, I, I just mentioned to you, I'm, I'm, you know, writing articles and doing team outlooks. And um, I just dug real deep into Joe Burrow for the Bengals outlook. So I'm going to let you share your piece. And then I'm actually going to go into the coaching, the coaching strategy for the Bengals here with, um, with Brian Callahan as their OC and Zach Taylor, which I think is what we can look at more so than what Joe Burrow can do. Cause obviously he's a rookie. We have no NFL stats to back that up. So why don't you go ahead first on Joe Burrow and, and uh, you know, after doing that research, I think I'm a little bit low on Joe Burrow, but again, without a training camp and as a rookie, I'm not sure where I'm going to, you know, boost him and how I'm going to put him higher, but ranking him number 23 for me just doesn't, doesn't feel right with that entire offense and what I think that, that, uh, that Bengals offense is capable of. Yeah, it's – I agree with you totally. It's weird moving him down. I'm pretty sure I had him at, like, 14 or 15, but then I actually, like, thought about it, like, no. Like, I don't think – the hit rates are not – they're okay. I don't know. We, we prefaced hit rates about a month ago, so um, I'll kind of go over it again. So, he's a top five pick, number one overall. In year one, we had a sample of 13 players that were top five picks in their first year, and these are just percentages of those players. So, 15% finishes a top six quarterback. 31% finishes top 12, 46% finishes top 24, and 69% finishes top 36. So it's more skewed to the top 24 um, range, top 36 range. I'm not saying that's why I said I'm there, but this team still is not like an elite offense that we think it is. Joe Mixon, we, we, we like Joe Mixon for fantasy, but every year it's like Joe Mixon breakout year. They're relying on a rookie receiver. Auden Tate's coming off an injury. John Ross is coming off another injury. A.J. Green is coming off an injury, but no one wants to talk about it because he's coming off kind of a holdout sort of contract thing. And Tyler Boyd, yes, he's a good receiver, but he's not moving the needle like you'd want him to. Like, uh, I don't even know, Emmanuel Sanders, D.J. Chark, a player like that can as kind of a wide receiver too. So the, the offense still isn't doing much. They don't have a tight end. Everyone's banking on a rookie, a, a lineman that hasn't played a single snap to come back and be the savior for this offensive line. Their defense got better, which only not directly, but it makes the offense not be on the field as much, so less fantasy points. So I think it's still – we kind of need to wait and see. I mean, I think this could come bite us in the butt. He could easily be a top 15 quarterback, but I'm not going to take him over Tannehill, Cousins, Carr, probably even Locke, Jimmy G, Gardner, Minshew, guys that I know can do it without, without a training camp, without any questions asked, with the team being how it was last year. Where are you drafting him in rookie drafts? Oh, I mean, Superflex is the one-on-one just because sure. I'm about the – you just draft best available no matter if you need it or not. Um, one QB late, ra- late round one. Um, it's a one QB league, but it's still hard to come by locked-in starters for three years, four years too. Uh, but I don't know. It's tough because that's where he, the quarterback one always goes in the draft without really any context as to how good is his actual fantasy value, not he's a starting quarterback in the NFL type thing. 
Sure. Fair. Okay. So Joe Burrow, just to dial back really quick to his collegiate year, we all know that he, you know, national champion with LSU Heisman trophy winner, whatever, 65 total touchdowns, 60 passing five rushing and his accuracy earned him the nation's second best completion percentage since 1956 at 76%. So clearly he was getting it done at LSU. They actually tied an NFL record with 14 players drafted um, in the NFL draft this last year. Obviously the team was fucking loaded. So Let's dive in a little bit. You obviously broke down Joe Burrow, and again, I'm not going to talk about a rookie because I don't have NFL stats to compare to, but let me break down some, some, some coaching tendencies that I think is important, and I think it's overlooked in the fantasy circle overall. So when I was breaking down the, the Cincinnati Bengals 2020 outlook and Joe Burrow specifically, I, I passed on him as a player, uh, and I went to the coaching strategy. So let's talk about head coach Zach Taylor and offensive coordinator Brian Callahan, both in their second year with the Bengals. So I'll just go quickly like year by year a little bit for both these guys and just let you know like their tendencies, which is pass heavy. And I think that really benefits Joe Burrow in this offense with all of these weapons and AJ Green coming back, obviously, and T Higgins getting drafted as well. First pick of the second round. So 2019, Obviously, the Bengals were a joke. They won two games and remained the Bungles until they prove otherwise for me. However, they were 32nd in completion percentage, which is obviously dead last, but they were sixth in pass attempts as a team. So Andy Dalton played 14 games-ish, but he's still average Andy. And then they had terrible quarterbacks playing otherwise who just couldn't get it done. But they were sixth in pass attempts. So Joe Burrow, I just mentioned, he had the best or the second best accuracy season at the collegiate level since 1956. He brings that kind of accuracy with all of these weapons and a team that wants to throw with the sixth most pass attempts in the league. He's going to be on fire right away, I believe. In 2018, Taylor helped uh, Jared Goff to career highs in every major passing category, completions, attempts, passing yards, touchdowns, completion percentage, and yards per attempt, and passer rating. That's obviously good news. And Taylor was instrumental from 2012 to 15 with Ryan Tannehill, who I know was kind of a joke later in his career with the Dolphins. But as he came out as a rookie, he was actually uh, his 15,460 passing yards in his first four seasons with the Dolphins as a rookie um, were the third most among all quarterbacks in NFL history over their first four seasons behind only Peyton Manning and Dan Marino, obviously both future and active Hall of Famers. We turn into Brian Callahan here. Um, last year in just 13 games, Andy Dalton was 11th in pass attempts, but would have passed out or paced out to fifth overall behind just Winston, Goff, Ryan, and Brady with 609 pass attempts overall. So Andy Dalton was going to pace out to fifth uh, overall pass attempts in the league. And again, with the accuracy of Joe Burrow, I think that's incredible. I can go all day with, with Callahan's resume, but basically helped Derek Carr to a career high season in 2018, 2016 and 17, helped Matt Stafford to two of his best seasons. 2012 to 15, he was with your Broncos and of course Peyton Manning's legendary seasons. Uh, getting them to the Super Bowl and helping Peyton Manning break the single season record with 55 touchdowns at the time and setting an offense, uh, offensive NFL record with 606 points with an average of 457 yards per game, second most in NFL history. So that's a long-winded answer to basically be like Joe Burrow aside. He's got the two coaches in this league, I think, that are young, they have the new age way of the NFL. They want to throw it. They want to throw it often. And now they finally have 
the quarterback to do that, and they have the weapons to do that with John Ross, Auden Tate even, who's 6'5". They have Tyler Boyd in the slot, who was arguably the most productive slot receiver over the last two years outside of Tyreek Hill and Michael Thomas and Julian Edelman. So I think this he's set up for success. The only reason I don't have all that big talk and excitement leads me to like a top 15 quarterback. The reason I don't have them top 15 is because this offseason's weird, man. This COVID shit is real, and these players are not going to be able to do what they usually do, even though they're going to start being in secret bunkers practicing. It's not going to be a normal situation. And because of that, I'm a little bit concerned of the camaraderie right away. And we did mention his schedule, which I'll just mention quickly again, is the uh, one, two, three, four, fifth toughest in the league, 28th overall. He's got the Chargers. Um, in week one who are much, much better than last year and got healthy and drafted well at Cleveland. That's a divisional game. I don't like that. They got better on defense at Philadelphia. That's never a good spot to play in Jacksonville in Cincinnati, but we don't know which version of Jacksonville's defense we're going to get. So that's a tough opening schedule. Plus the Bengals have the seventh best rushing uh, opponents coming up against them um, against the run. So they might be featuring Joe Mixon more. So for those reasons, I'm a little bit faded on, uh, Joe Burrow. However, overall, I think he's awesome. He's a great, like if I were to get, you know, let's say Dak Prescott or so uh, Russell Wilson as my quarterback, I'm going to get Joe Burrow in the, you know, 15th, 16th round, even of a single QB league uh, because he's got that upside. And if it comes week eight and he's fucking getting his flow and he's smashing it and my guy gets hurt or I'm looking at the playoffs, I'm looking at, uh, at matchups. I think Joe Burrow is a great opportunity. Um, and diamond in the rough, really, they're in single quarterback leagues for sure. Obviously, super flex, he's going to go much, much earlier than that. But I'm with you, man. I honestly, I think I could find room for him in my top 20 as well as Gardner Minshew. I just got to let the dust settle a little bit and figure out what's actually going to happen with him. Yeah, and I think the thing that is going to prevent that is he's not going to be going – he's going to be going as a top 15 quarterback in leagues. Mm-hmm. Same with – honestly, same with probably Minshew when it comes down to home leagues just because of his mustache. Joe Burrow is just going to be going – higher because he's a number one overall pick we see this all the time yeah I I don't know I just think that it's the whole no training camp the whole hardest schedule thing this is very concerning to me I'm not saying he's a bust but he was a one-year wonder in college so we don't know how he's going to handle the pressure when he's not dominating Alabama dominating good teams dominating Oklahoma in the playoffs so we'll see how it falls but I definitely think there's a lot of room for upside uh, with the two young coaches and the kind of weird skill group around them. I totally agree. Let's go into um, Nick Foles. I'm going to give you an opportunity here to, uh, to, to rep your boy, Nicky Foles. Um, you got him at 25. So it's not like you're ecstatic. I mean, he's, he's your, he's a, he's a quarterback three uh, in your rankings. And, and in mine, he's number 30. Um, I just want you to really quick, make a case other than he's got the second best schedule for fantasy is that really what it comes down to yes and no so this is basing the fact that he's the starter because right now none of them are the starter but they declined Trubisky's fifth year option they restructured Foles' contract so they could go sign Ted Ginn so they, they restructured it to go add him a weapon an elite downfield stretcher that they could probably use they got rid of Taylor Gabriel to save money so they're rolling with A-Rob Anthony Miller Ted Ginn Cole Komet Jimmy Graham uh, Dave Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, they have the skill positions that they need. And I, if you listen to the podcast, you know that I'm not saying they were a tight end away last year from being a good offense, but we saw two years ago when this offense was clicking, they used Cohen strictly in a pass-catching role. 
They had a tight end in Trey Burton. As bad as Trey Burton might actually be at football, he was very good in fantasy and in real life. They had multiple receivers going. Um, there really wasn't a true one. A-Rob was good. Miller was good some games. Gabriel was good some games. I'm pretty sure Javon Wims played some games. It didn't really matter. They just had a lot of weapons. And then they had Jordan Howard, which is now just David Montgomery. You can kind of comp them. So I think that Trubisky that year was actually really good. That was when he was in the MVP race. I think that if Foles win the job, wins the job, obviously he has to be good to win the job. So it's not like he lost his touch. That He never lost. He got injured last year. So people like to say Nick Foles is bad. He just got injured last year after winning the Super Bowl. So, like, there, he didn't lose football talent. He still has it. So if he wins the job, obviously he's good at football. He beat out Trubisky. So he has the rights to that job. The players will rally around him if he wins that job because he's now their quarterback. I think that he just boosts the team's efficiency in general. I think this team was very inefficient last year. I think it just kind of regresses back to average or a little bit above average. And I think that it might be gross if you take Nick Foles, but QB 25 is like maybe 16 points a game when it comes down to it. Like people get hurt. When you look, it's, it's always cool to look post the season, like the fantasy finishes. Cause like, we don't really pay attention to that much in season. We just kind of pay attention to like per game basis, matchups, stuff like that. We don't actually like, I can care less who the QB one is at week four. Cause I know in 12 weeks, it could be something completely different. So it's kind of interesting to see like the, this player missed one game. It drops him seven spots in the ranking. So I think that Foles is just going to slowly win his way into maybe a streamable QB based on matchup. But if you're in super flex, easily a QB three, you can have on the back end of your roster, maybe even four. If there's not really any news as to who the, who the starter is, that could easily be a league winner, especially in super flex. Cause 17 points consistently with the upside in Superflex is huge uh, for your QB2. Again, a lot of these guys in the back half of, of our rankings and, and who we're talking about right now are QB2s and threes. Um, they are Superflex targets, right? But again, Dynasty and Superflex are completely different conversations, at, especially at the quarterback level. They're completely different conversations than a single QB redraft league, which for the most part, is what most people still play. Like people like you and I who are in this shit year round and industry folks and, and like real fantasy football hogs are starting to go into super flex leagues and tight end premium leagues and bonus leagues and fucking dynasty and rookie only and all these crazy formats. But most people that just start a work league, start a family league, start a random homie league, or single QB leagues, right? Single flex, that kind of thing. So, so that's, that's kind of the, the language that we're having right now with a little sprinkling of, of those other formats. But for me, man, I, I hear you on Nick Foles and the potential that he could have. And first of all, he's going to win the job, period. They yeah. brought him in specifically. They had other options. Cam Newton was like going to go to Chicago all off season in every media stream until he didn't. And Nick Foles went. And the only people that knew that they wanted Nick Foles was Matt Nagy and DiFilippo who Nick Foles has history with. And we know in the NFL, especially with quarterbacks, if they have history with people and coaching trees and all these other things from the years past in their career, that matters tremendously because they know what this guy has, even if he hasn't had it recently. And they know that it's, potentially better than what, what Mitch Trubisky offers in this offense. So they're going to give Nick – I mean, Nick Foles has the job, in my opinion, already, and it's basically 
it's a matter of like him blowing it and Mitch Trubisky turning the page this year in training camp to win it back versus Nick Foles having to come in and beat out Mitch Trubisky. That's just not mm-hmm. the case. So let's talk in the, the mentality that Nick Foles has the job. I've got him at QB 30 right now because A, I don't trust him, and B, I just don't trust anybody in that offense outside of Allen Robinson and or David Montgomery. I do like Tariq Cohen, but again, kind of a, a, a gimmicky player, I think, and a, a pass-only guy. So – Foles has never played 16 games in his eight-year career. He's never played 16 games in his eight-year career. He's not played more than 11 games since 2015. So, again, just like his homie, Carson Wentz, who fucking gift-wrapped Nick Foles a Super Bowl win and changed his fucking life and rekindled his career on accident, Nick Foles also cannot stay healthy. I just frankly don't think he's that good. Um, I understand Mitch Trubisky has been a headache, but – I mean, I, I think I'm, hit, I'm sitting here accidentally defending Mitch Trubisky, kind of. And I know that you have been on the podcast. You've been like the one person in the fucking fantasy community who's defended Mitch Trubisky so far. So, like, I understand what the Bears are potentially capable of. And Mitch Trubisky, like, threw – it was six touchdowns, I believe, against the Buccaneers at one point. So, like, yeah. I mean, they have two quarterbacks on their team right now. Nick Foles threw seven touchdowns against the Raiders one night. And Mitch Trubisky threw six touchdowns in a game against the Buccaneers. So these guys clearly can do it. I'm just worried overall in this offense. And honestly, him at number 30 is probably ridiculous. But like Dwayne Haskins, there could be some upside. They got better weapons. Ryan Fitzmagic, we know what he's about. And he's going to fucking sling it as long as he can. And then I think Tua is even better than him when he comes in. Tyrod Taylor, I think, is too low at 27 for me. I'll probably be raising him up. Sam Darnold, I think, has opportunity. And then uh, Tannehill and Rivers and everybody else. And then we got Joe Burrow. So I just don't see who I could put um, Nick Foles over. And, again, other than the argument that he's got the, the overall best um, – First four weeks of the season, they're at Detroit uh, without Darius Slade. They've got the Giants at home at Atlanta. We never know what that's going to be. And then the Colts, again, at home. And he's got the second-best overall schedule for fantasy quarterbacks on the season behind only the Chargers. Other than that argument, I just don't see why people Mm -hmm. would be excited about uh, Nick Foles other than, again, as a second quarterback or in a super flex league, end up with Nick Foles with the upside and that schedule – Sign me up. I think I would take that risk. Single QB, even if I punt all the way to the fucking end of the draft, I'm going to find other people, dude. I'll take Tyrod Taylor. I'll take Ryan Tannehill. I'll take, you know, maybe maybe the 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 combo, you know, of a later of a later option there. Um, I just don't believe in in Nick Foles personally. Yeah, I I don't know. It's. It's weird because Trubisky's going to make a great Patriots quarterback next year. That's true. And then and then we'll be drafting and then we'll be drafting Mitch Trubisky higher than fucking Nick Foles. I'll tell you right for now. Sure. For sure, like, it's going to happen. And you know, first of all, I don't think Cam Newton is uh, completely out of the woods in New England at this point either. But uh, that's a conversation for for another time. All right, man. We're pretty much at. I mean, we're at the we're at the bottom of the barrel here as far as our rankings go. But uh, why don't you give a quick shout out to your boy Teddy Two Gloves? This only comes down to one thing, and I I feel like I'm the only one that stands on like the you actually think about this. A lot of people don't think Teddy Bridgewater is good. Dynasty, I he's confusing because they could easily be a two win team and go get a quarterback next year. But I think redraft. So here's my case for him. Everyone loves DJ Moore. Everyone loves the 
upside of Curtis Samuel. Robbie Anderson adds another dynamic to this team. Everyone loves Christian McCaffrey. Everyone thinks Ian Thomas is a breakout. Someone has to throw him the ball. That's like that, that, I mean, like that's my only sure. argument with it. Because um, I, I don't know there was one where people were arguing like he's not even a top twenty-six redraft quarterback or top thirty, whatever the case may be. He offers rushing not upside, but just like stability, kind of at like a Gardner Minshew, what we saw last year, maybe a Carson Wentz sort of stable floor. They're going to be losing a lot. This defense is completely – like, it's going to be rookies and then, like, they're younger guys they already have. So, they're going to be losing. They're going to be throwing the ball. I think this team's going to take a very interesting approach to how they run their offense. They're going to have brand new a brand-new scheme on a limited um, training camp basis. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I think in the long run, he's easily as good of a upside QB2 candidate as Nick Foles is. Um, probably more upside just because the weapons are – more explosive he offers that rushing floor and I think he has um I think his the five games he played at the Saints I think kind of showed him that he can actually do it compared to maybe where he wouldn't have saw himself before those five games sure and I can get it and just as Nick Foles has had a really up and down peaks and valleys crazy rocky road uh, career in the NFL Teddy Bridgewater has had the same let's not forget just a couple years ago dude this fool fucking tore off both of his legs I mean he was kind of Alex Smith territory where we didn't know if he was going to like walk properly again let alone play NFL football Um, Mm -hmm. and the fact that he's come I mean like dude He's a dude that I'm rooting for <laughs> in general as a person, like Carry on Johnson, but I'm I, and Darius Geis, like, I, but I don't believe that it's going to happen. I understand the weapons, I get all that, but in my opinion, as long as Christian McCaffrey has fucking rubber on the tires, especially his super impressive, extra expensive indie car fucking rubber that he's got, they have to run the offense through him. It just doesn't make sense to do that otherwise. One positive that I do see to Teddy Bridgewater that I'm not really excited about, but I'll give you like a, I'll give you a fist bump on is that in his five games, he was incredibly efficient because that's what the saints do. Drew Brees last year, 27 touchdowns, four interceptions, Teddy Bridgewater, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. So he was excellently efficient. However, I'm going to throw out some, I won't go air yards because he only played five games, but I will go with a dot. 40 qualifying quarterbacks, 40 qualifying NFL quarterbacks. Again, there's only 32 that play every Sunday. 40 NFL quarterbacks. Teddy Bridgewater was last, 6.16 A dot. Okay? So the average depth of target for Teddy Bridgewater last year was six yards. I don't see it getting much higher in Carolina. Now, I will say that Matt Rule definitely wants to chuck it. Joe Brady definitely wants to chuck it. I like that a lot. If all of a sudden – they find that Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been un, unwrapped yet. He hasn't really got his opportunity as this fucking gunslinger quarterback in the NFL. And Teddy comes out and starts fucking ripping it all over the field. Yo, I would love to see it and I'll eat my words. But so far in his career, he hasn't done it. He's been efficient. He can throw it deep-ish. But I just don't see him being that quarterback to like really take advantage of a Robbie Anderson. Now, Curtis Samuel, potentially, and definitely DJ Moore, and Ian Thomas even, I think, in the short intermediate round, I think it's going to crush in this offense because he'll be able to get the ball out quick and short. But Robbie Anderson, no thank you. I just don't think it's going to benefit him. No, he's and terrible. I think Christian McCaffrey's going to have another 1,000 yards receiving, you know, just mm-hmm. because they're going to be fucking dumping it off on quick releases so that Teddy doesn't get hurt because, again, 
he's basically walking on two two brittle brittle legs, which I, I think is is a concern. So I'm I'm worried about Teddy overall yeah. um, in that yeah. offense. And I will say the only other person I've heard back up Teddy Bridgewater is a good friend of the podcast, uh, Ryan Curly Parra, my good buddy that grew up and he started helped uh, Daniel and I start the podcast back in the day. He's been blowing me up since he got picked to the fucking Panthers. He's like, bro, this is awesome. This is Teddy's opportunity. I'm stoked. And I'm just like, dog. So I have one question. What was his, his A dot again last 6. year? 6.16. So what if I told you Drew Brees was only 6.4? Then I would tell you that that's how the Saints roll, and Drew Brees is All right, fucking fair enough. unbelievable. Yeah, I see, I see the disparity. Yeah. And I'm waiting for that argument. But here's the, here's the problem. Drew Brees is still a top five NFL quarterback yeah. and a top eight quarterback fantasy quarterback every single season with a little a dot because guess what he's got michael fucking thomas and alvin Kamara, and now emmanuel sanders and even jared cook now (laughs) teddy bridgewater has christian mccaffrey and dj moore is really good uh, but he's not michael thomas not a chance deep threat but can he can he get it to him we'll see you know and here's the thing i truly believe that if drew Brees similar to Russell Wilson, if Drew Brees had an offense that wanted to attack deep down the field consistently and let him throw it like that, I think he could with accuracy and very high efficiency. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater can. I just don't on a regular basis. So even though the eight out was the same because they're on the same team, and it'd be hilarious to see fucking Jameis Winston dinking and dunking all day because that's what Sean Payton wants to do in New Orleans. But it's effective, obviously. Matt Rule is going to come in there to Carolina and he's going to come in with Joe Brady, who just had fucking Joe Burrow throw 60 touchdowns, and they're going to want to chuck it. But in my opinion, that's a better job for my man Will Greer. So we'll just we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think that, to be honest, I think they actually have probably the best odds to finish, finish last due to the conference they're in. Like, I don't see a possibility of them. that defense, bro? Eesh. Oh, it's maybe bad. That, like, maybe that know. helps Teddy that they're going to be down by fucking 25 every game. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. Like, they're going 0-6 in conference. I don't know the rest of their schedule. Like, I'd imagine they play, like, the Vikings or Packers or something. It's not looking good for, I don't know. Teddy B signing there was interesting, especially the, con- the contract they gave him. I don't really know what they're trying to do there, but, yeah. Well, let's end, let's end the podcast because we're, we're, we're pretty much at it, all right? We're, we, we've we discussed our rankings. We're going to raffle through our top, you know, our 32 rankings. I want you to prepare, and I want you to just blaze through names really quick. I'm going to do the exact same thing, and everybody can go see them again on our rankings, uh, Redraft and Dynasty, on our website, tckpod.com. Before we do that, I want this to go very quickly. I'm going to read you the opponent to the Panthers for the entire season, and I want you to give a winner a loss. All right, a win or a loss. We'll just count the wins, and that'll give us our record. So they have the Raiders at home. I'll go win, home game. Okay, that's one. Uh, at Tampa Bay. No. No fucking chance. At, uh, at the Chargers. No. Uh, Arizona at home. I'd say by week four, Arizona's clicking, so no. At Atlanta. No. Chicago at home. No. At New Orleans. No. Atlanta at home. No. At Kansas City. Not a chance. Tampa Bay at home. No. Detroit at home. I'll give them that one. At Minnesota. No. By week in 13. And then they go Denver at home. Like maybe. That's like a half, I'd say. I don't know if our offense is going to be any good. I'll give them – they're at two and a half right now. At Green Bay. No. At Washington. The battle for Trevor Lawrence, I don't – sure, we'll give it to him. Three and a half. 
and they get the Saints at home, which they fucking win that game every year because the Saints well, sit yeah, that, their players. But, but only one team gets a bye this year. So that, that, that could be completely washed in terms of like – obviously teams will have like – some so, people might not have to play, but – Okay, so, the, so yeah. the Saints win that game by, by only three touchdowns because they're on the road and we know how Drew Brees plays outdoors. So we'll give them just like 20-point win on that one. Three, three and a half wins. Max. Three and a half wins. So yeah. Three and 13 maybe. And that's, that's, it. That's, that's going to be pushing the number one pick in the, in, in the draft, which – if the, if the Patriots don't blow it enough, they're they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. Well, there's there's going to be three quarterbacks, so like three teams that like we think are locked in with the, with like the Redskins. They're not going to punt like they they punted to a not that they should have taken to it, but they punted to it. They're not going to punt Fields, Lance, or Lawrence. Right. The Panthers will not, especially Matt Rule, especially Joe Brady. That like he knows the importance of those guys, like how good they are. I don't even know, like, because I saw I saw like the lines for like most losses, and it was like Redskins, Panthers, like Jets were like seventh. I don't know how. Like it's it's weird because it's it's a year where you don't really see like an actual like there is a bad team, but like they have a quarterback. Bad team, they have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yep. All right, man. Let's uh, let's get out of this episode here. What I'd like to do is is as quick as we can roll through are 32 quarterbacks, okay? Now, I don't want analysis, nothing. What we're going to do is we're gonna, just going to trade off. I'm, I'll, let you do, I'll let you do 1 through 10. I'll do 1 through 10, and then we'll do 11 through 20 and likewise, all right? So yep. no analysis, just names. Who are your quarterbacks 1 to 10 as of right now? Yep, Lamar, Mahomes, Dak, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Drew Brees. All right, so I've got the first, I've got the same exact top six: Lamar, Mahomes, Dak, Wilson, Murray, and uh, Watson. I'm going to go with Drew Brees at seven, Josh Allen at eight, Matt Ryan at nine, and Tom Brady cracks the top ten. And I have a hard time keeping him out of my top eight, to be honest. I think he's going to be fire. Anyway, that's my top ten. All right, eleven to twenty. Go. All right, Tom Brady. Same with you. Uh, easy top, even six, seven candidate for me for sure. Matt Stafford. Aaron Rodgers, gross. Baker Mayfield, Big Ben. I want to move Big Ben up. The the video was inspiring. Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, Gardner Minshew, Jimmy G, and Drew Locke. All right. I've got Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, Big Ben, Jimmy G, Kirk Cousins, your boy Drew Locke, and Jared Goff. 21 through 32. Let's bring it home. All right, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, Nick Foles, Phillip Rivers, Teddy B, Sam Darnold, the heir to Tom Brady and Jared Stidham, and Tyrod Taylor at 30. And then Dwayne Haskins and Fitzmagic for you at 31 and 2. Yep. Oh, yep, sorry. Quick question. Fitzmagic is only 32 because you're worried about Tua, right? There's no way that Fitzmagic would be the 32nd ranked quarterback. No, if he, he would. He, honestly, I think he would maybe be top 16 if he played all 16 games. I think okay. he just would be. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, 32. I'll probably have him in quite a bit of super flex leagues because he goes super late. But 32 just because of Tua. Got it. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, let's see, 21 to 32 for me. I got Minshew, Carr, Joe Burrow, Rivers, Tannehill, Darnold. Tyrod Taylor, Fitzmagic, Haskins, Foles, Teddy B, and Jared Stidham. 
All right, folks, those are our 32 quarterbacks. We'll be back with it next week. We'll be breaking down the running backs. Again, we're going to go through the fantasy schedules. We're going to go through our rankings, and we will have a mock draft again on Thursday as well. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week into your weekend. Make sure you go out and comp our good friends, the Commish FFP, just dropped some shirts. You guys know about the hat. I rock the hat pretty much every other fucking podcast. Um, so please make sure to go hit them up, get some shirts, and uh, get, some, get some swag from them. We're going to have merchandise, hopefully, in the near future as well. You can cop that, but uh, make sure you go hit up uh, Chris, Alex, and Eric over at the Commish FFP and get yourself some Commish swag, big friends of the podcast. All right, Lucas, we had a, a, a good ranking segment, man. Tomorrow we're going to jump into that Superflex Mock draft, I'm excited about that. Make sure everybody subscribes and drops a comment here on the YouTube channel. Leave a rate and review on the podcast wherever you're listening. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod. Follow us on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Join our Facebook group at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast and check all of the rest of our rankings and articles and upcoming information on our website, tckpod.com. All right, y'all. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you tomorrow for our mock draft. And for Lucas Kaser, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.